morning, church. Good morning. You know, as we are finishing up this series, one of the things that came to my mind is, you know, sometimes we can do the work that doesn't feel as important or doesn't feel as glamorous, doesn't feel as exciting. Um, it came to my mind this weekend, I tackled a project that was inspired by a show that I watch that um, is quite fascinating to me. It's called The Home Edit. Anybody ever heard of it? Anybody ever seen it? Yes? Okay. Two people? Three people? Anyhow, I tackled this project in my kitchen that involved me taking every single item out of every cabinet, out of every drawer, out of the pantry. And if I had had time, I would have put a slide up with the big bags, the huge black bags, like what, 10, 12, filled to capacity of things that came out that have just been there because they just have been accumulated. Doesn't matter that this yogurt or this banana pudding is expired. Doesn't mind, you know, I think we think the spices have no expiration date, but just newsflash, they do. The volume of things that were just piling up from expired foods to appliances that nobody uses to things that just don't serve us anymore to that one pan that lost all of its scratch coating years ago and I'm never gonna use it again. It was a very unglamorous job to do. And yet, that sense of fulfillment I had when everything was back in a new place and everything was organized and everything was stripped down to the things that really benefit me, the things that will really be useful, and then really the things that now when I go to cook or when I go to get something, I won't have to lift up things and move things out of the way that are not important. It came to my mind as I brought forth, as I bring forth this message this morning, that oftentimes our spiritual journey can be a lot like that. It's so much easier None of my friends will know when they come over my house the wonderful job I did on my home edit. Unless they're just really snoopy friends and they're like looking behind every cabinet and behind every drawer. And I do have a few friends like that. But for the most part, nobody will know that I did this work. And our spiritual journey is so much like that because while it may be easier for us to go to the beauty salon and come out looking miraculously different. Go to the barber shop and come out feeling fresh and clean. These are things that we do that they give us the instant gratification of knowing that we look a little bit better than we did before we came in. But this work that you and I have embarked upon as we tackle these journeys is that work that is less glamorous but is necessary that is removing things in the inside of us that have hindered us. I think so often about the conversations I have with many of you, and I think so often about the conversations that 
generate throughout this world where we try to figure out what's holding me back. I feel like I, I could be a little bit further in my career. I feel like I could be a little bit further in ministry. I feel like my relationship could be a little bit better with my spouse. And oftentimes we look for the big things and we don't see any of the big glaring problems. And so we assume that everything should be okay. But I hope that as we dig in the message today, we're challenged to realize that's not it at all. Sometimes it's those little small, fine details that we overlook. Sometimes it's the little things that we think, oh, that doesn't matter. They'll be fine. It should be okay. That grieves the heart of God. I have to say that one of the things I've learned a long time ago, and it may sound weird to some of you, hopefully you've experienced this as well, because it's an experience that I would want for everyone to experience. And that is, sometimes you do things, you won't get affirmation from other people. No one will know that it's been done. But there'll be a small, still presence from your heavenly Father that lets you know in a very clear and distinguishable way that he's pleased. That he sees what you have done. He sees the work that you're putting in. He sees the work that you're doing in the heart, the inner work, the harder work, the work that no one else can applaud you for or congratulate you for, but your heavenly father, he has so much need of us. And this morning, the message that he's going to give us is going to propel us to be useful in that way. It's called breaking barriers. Somebody say breaking barriers. Rebuilding is a key component to bridging the gap as we've been talking about in this gap in this bridge builder series. It's a key component to mending relationships as well. And part of that rebuilding process is that we must break barriers that we face each and every day. And by breaking down these barriers, by reconciling and mending relationships, we become united in Christ with those who may be far off. I want to share with you a story I read. It's quite compelling. During World War II, Hitler had commanded all religious groups to unite so that he could control them. Among the brethren assemblies, half complied and half refused. Those who went along with the order had a much easier time, as you can imagine. Those who did not faced harsh, harsh persecution. In almost every family, those who resisted, someone died in a concentration camp. So when the war was over, feelings of bitterness ran deep between the groups. And there was much tension. Finally, they decided that the situation had to be healed. 
Leaders from each group met at a quiet retreat for several days. Every person spent time in prayer, examining his own heart in the light of Christ's commands. Then they came together. Francis Schaefer, who told of the incident, asked a friend who was there, what did you do then? He replied, we were just one. As they confessed their hostility and bitterness to God and yielded to his control, the Holy Spirit created a unity among them. Love filled their hearts and dissolved their hatred. When love prevail, prevails, especially in times of strong disagreements, it presents to the world an indisputable mark of a true follower of Jesus Christ. You've heard me say this many times, not so much by the bumper stickers on our car or the crosses we wear or the, the paraphernalia that has the cute slang, sayings that let us know that, yes, we are followers of Christ, but when we come together, when we break down barriers, when we show love and reconcile with each other, we become united. Amen. Unity, harmony, and peace are trademarks of the kingdom of God. As we've talked about before, if you turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 11 and 12. It's necessary as bridge builders that we take action. And this week, the action takes us to the book of Ephesians, where Paul is passionately discussing the division between the Jews and the Gentiles and the reconciling work that Christ did on the cross to not only forgive us of our sins, but to bring harmony. He says, wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. Paul is clear in this portion of the scriptures that this is the hopeless condition of heathen living. Before coming to Jesus, Gentiles were in a desperate place. Amen? They were aliens, strangers, having no hope and being without God. This shows us that they were not only spiritually dead, but they also did not have access to God that the Jews enjoyed. And so my first point in today's message is reconciliation is a gift. Reconciliation is a gift. The word reconcile in the Greek is katalasso, which is an intensified word that describes an exchange. 
originally used to describe two people exchanging money, the New Testament picks it up in its description of people exchanging an old way of life to a new. Think about two people who exchange their different positions for the same position, trading in an old life for a new life. As we look to break barriers among us and to build bridges, we must look to Christ as our example when we begin in the process of reconciling. We have the blueprints, the plans, and the tools. Now we recognize that in Christ we have the gift of reconciliation. That puts it in a whole new perspective. We're giving someone a gift. Just imagine and just envision in your mind, um, you know, a fight that's taking place. I don't know what kind of neighborhood you guys grew up in, but in my neighborhood, when we grew up, if there was something that started at school, people gave what was called the gift of instigation. I mean, they made sure they needed, this was their entertainment. We didn't have cable. There wasn't a lot going on. We didn't have TikTok. So they egged this thing on throughout the day, right? Making sure that when we got off that bus, y'all going to fight, right? I mean, they kept it going. And think about a scenario like that where, and you know how those scenarios were. One of the people really didn't want to fight. But you had to defend your honor, right? I mean, you weren't going to let them just sit here and talk all this stuff and don't let them start throwing your mama jokes. Now we got to fight. Imagine a scenario like that when people are at odds and there's a disagreement and they really don't want to be at odds, but somebody said the wrong thing and now I got to do this. And now somebody's taking it down a path and you show up with the gift of reconciliation? What? You bring forth unity. You remind them of what they share in common. You remind them that they don't want to be in this fight anyway. In Christ, we have that ability. And we can be the facilitators of a more divine exchange from old to new, from broken to whole, from offended to hurt and to forgiven. One of the most powerful stories of reconciliation that I was able to find, you might have heard of this before, uh, Corey Ten Boom. She meets uh, her concentration camp prison guard after a talk she had given on forgiveness. And the guard asks her forgiveness. And as Ten Boom reaches out her hand to accept this is what she describes, quote, and so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole be being bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried. 
with all my heart. A concentration camp survivor being reconciled to her Nazi guard? Hard to imagine, isn't it? But it's an incredible exchange that is only in and through the power of Christ that something like this can happen. Prayerfully, we have never experienced or lived through anything quite of that magnitude. And if this person is able to extend forgiveness and receive a healing power in their whole body because of their obedience to this, I can only imagine as we begin to release the oughts, release the offenses, I mean, we can hardly scroll through Facebook without getting offended. And nowadays, we can't just be in disagreement and scroll. It requires at least a 30-page comment that then invites someone else to do a 20-page comment and then invites a battle that before you know it, we hate somebody we never even met. Reconciliation is powerful, and power is rooted in Christ. God's work of reconciliation is not only between singular persons, although that is probably how we are most often to experiencing it, but it's also between groups of people that are at odds, such as the Jews and the Gentiles were in the days of Paul, because my second point is, now you are in Christ. You are in Christ now. That supersedes every other division and every other title and every other group and every other thing that you can think of. You're in Christ now. I don't know about you, but my family can be getting on my exact last nerve, but let some outsider, let somebody who's not a member of that group say, or even look like they're about to say, something about somebody in my family. That unity supersedes all the fights we had the day before about who didn't do their chores and who didn't do this. There is a unity that brings us and bonds us together and causes us to remain whole. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 18, because just as the Jews and the Gentiles who were once at odds consistently are now joined in Christ and are one in Christ, we too can take these tools and these blueprints we have been discussing to break any barrier that we may face in order to build the bridge that will close the gap in relationships. It reads, but now in Christ Jesus, Ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. 
having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Mm. One spirit. Paul gives us this beautiful ending to our reading this morning. When barriers are broken, there is a level of peace and unity unlike anything else. Many people suggest different ways to draw near to God, and some think that you can draw near to God by keeping the law or by belonging to a group such as Israel or even the church. But the only way to be brought near to God is by the blood of Christ. What Jesus did on the cross, suffering as a guilty sinner in the place of guilty sinners, that unites us with Christ. He has reconciled us to the Father. He has built a divine bridge where there once was only a vast chasm. I saw another um, example. I was trying to figure out if it would even fit here, but it, it does. It fits. Um, you probably haven't heard this particular one, but this one was about a, a person named Billy Neal Moore, and they were in jail um, awaiting trial in which they were going to be sentenced to death. And a minister had shared with him the good news. He was finally for the first time aware that Jesus loved him and wanted to forgive his sins. And he learned that no one is beyond redemption. It's a powerful moment that I know that many of us have experienced. And maybe our sins weren't as great as his and it didn't land us in jail. But we all have that moment where we come to the reality that no matter what we've done, no matter how ashamed we are of the mistakes we've made in our past, no one is beyond redemption. And so when he heard this message, he took it to heart and he wrote to the family of the person who he had murdered. I don't know if he was respect, expecting a response back, but he got one back. And the response that he got back was that they were Christians and that they had forgave him. The family then did something that was even further in an expression of forgiveness. And they petitioned the Georgia Parole Board to commute the death sentence. In 1991, Moore was paroled from prison, transformed by the grace of God and his victim's family members. And he said, quote, when I was released, they embraced me like a brother. 
Morissette of Stapleton's family, he has been preaching the gospel of forgiveness to school children and church groups ever since. Just wow. Much like more, when we come to Christ, we realize that in him, we can break any barrier. Here's the thing I hear God saying, we can refuse to accept the offense. It's really hard to get someone out of their zone of peace when they make a decision that that's not going to disrupt it. Have you ever had to try to have a disagreement with someone who doesn't want to have a disagreement with you? It just ends. I, I mean, you may still be, <laughs> but they're, they're, this is beneath them. This is beyond them. They're not engaging in it. And sometimes if you've ever witnessed that happens, that makes the other person even matter, that they can't get you to come out of this place of peace. So imagine when you are practicing allowing the things that the devil sent your way that were supposed to make you so upset, that were supposed to make you have so much disunity, that was supposed to set you back, but you come to the realization that I am going to walk in the peace that God has given me. And I'm going to even go so far as to extend that peace to others. And in then so doing, you have completely foiled the plan of the enemy because now not only is this person not going to die, not only are you not going to walk around with this hatred that is causing so much internal trauma for you, but now this person's going to be released and they're going to go around and they're going to preach and they're going to give other people forgiveness and teach them how to be free? That was not how this was supposed to work out. But yet, because we are those ambassadors, we're walking around here foiling the plan of the enemy left and right. As God needs us to do. Any relational barrier you face today can be broken down with Christ. I'm going to say it again. Any relational barrier you face today can be broken down with Christ. The question is, are you choosing to seek the ultimate barrier breaker for help or some other means? Who are you talking to me, Jesus? Are you choosing to seek the ultimate barrier breaker? Or are you going some other route? Y'all heard me tell the story before. I can pick on CJ since he's in children's church this morning, but it just cracked me up because his sister was away at college and she came home for just like a short period of time. Now, mind you, this girl had been playing basketball since seventh grade all the way up to, and then she like got a varsity letter like at ninth grade. So she, it was like the best thing to a pro athlete he was ever gonna come across while he's out here playing for I-9 sports. And this boy, she was trying to give him some tips. <laughs> She was trying to give him some pointers. He's like, I got it, I got it. And we looked in amazement and we were like, you're eight. How do you got it? How do you know everything there is to know? You don't have no room for improvement. I mean, you don't want no help. Here you have a 
expert giving you advice and you don't want it? And God brought to my thinking at that moment, y'all are no different. Y'all grown-ups. Here I am, left you a whole Bible, <laughs> a whole manual that you let collect dust on the coffee table. And I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to show you a better way. Hmm. Anything less than Christ won't do. As Jesus himself describes in John 15, 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. It's not a, a, you don't have to find, it's not a slide for that. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Whew. That, that, it depends on if you see the glass half full or half empty, how that makes you feel. Because some of you may be thinking, what do you mean I can do nothing? But I see something so different that I need you to catch this morning. In him, I can do anything. In him, when I'm attached, attached to the vine, when I'm connected to my father, when I'm drawing my source and my sustenance through him, there's nothing I can't do. But apart from him, when I get a little bit too big for my britches, when I get to thinking, oh, I got this, I, I know how to handle this, I don't need your help. That's when I find myself in trouble. Am, am I alone in this? No, okay, no. So my last point, unity and diversity in Christ. The work of Jesus on the cross is the common ground of salvation for both Jews and Gentile. Therefore, there is no longer any dividing wall between us today. Jesus broke down the wall. The wall of separation is gone because the common lordship is greater than any previous division. Did you catch that? Lordship is greater than any previous division. If the lordship of Jesus Christ is not greater than any difference that you have with others, be it political, racial, economic, language, geography, or whatever, then you have not fully understood what it means to be under the lordship of Jesus. Whew, this is so hard for me because Sometimes I just wonder, are we all reading the same Bible? Like, how can we be so hateful? Like, how can, really, how can we put anything over the lordship of Jesus Christ? How can we put anything, our political beliefs, anything, how can we put something higher than God? For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Go to Romans 12, 5. This is key because this is the key to unity. This is the key to unity when we begin to say to one another, but you know what, that's still my brother. 
I, I don't really like what they just said, but that's still my sister. I loved what I got last week when I was studying and I shared that example. And it's just continuing to encourage me of the ways that we can practice this practically. Romans 12, 5 says, so we being many, I'm sorry. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. The church is unified as one body. Yet, here's the part I want you to catch. We are distinct as individual members of the church. In the body of Christ, there is unity, not uniformity. Did you catch that? In the body of Christ, there is unity, but not uniformity. I love that. I love the freedom that God has given us, Excel Church, of how different we can be, but we're unified. I love the fact that some of us can wear sneakers and some of us can wear dress shoes, but we're unified. We err when we neglect either aspect. Unity should never be prompted at the expense of individuality. And individuality should never diminish the church's essential unity in Christ. Jesus is our common ground. Galatians 3.28 says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but that excites me that we're one. As we break barriers among each other, we become united in Christ. Diversity in the body was God's plan. Division was not. God just brought back to my remembrance. I had, um, I was responsible for this movement that was going on in my HOA. And when I was getting everything together, um, I had called together like the Zoom meeting to get other uh, owners who wanted to get on the line. And um, there was this one gentleman his name was Ramey. He was from another country. I think he was Brazilian. Um, and he was on the call, and he, at every turn, was challenging different things that maybe I was saying or someone else was saying. And he was doing it in the most respectful way in which to truly get an understanding and also to express a different way of looking at the situation. And I remembered as the conversation went on, some of the other owners were annoyed because he wasn't speaking with the same voice as everyone else. And as God would have it, I later winded up being appointed to the board of directors and then being um, in a position because I was so passionate about this issue to chair the committee that was over. It was for our elections and nominating committee. And do you know who the first person I recruited for that committee was? Ramey. And people were thinking, why on earth would you want Ramey? Remember, he's the one who kept 
challenging your thoughts and kept advancing a different viewpoint. And I thought, why in the world would I not want Ramey? Why would I not? Why would I want a committee of everyone that thinks just like me? Please explain to me how that's going to help me. I already have that thought. Thanks. I already came up with that idea. Thanks. I welcome the diversity. Doesn't mean I'm going to agree with you. I still reserve the right to disagree, but I at least want to be challenged. I at least want to know, oh, I hadn't thought about that way. Hmm, that's a good point. That's a part of the plan of God. That's a way of protection for us. And we don't realize it, and so because the rest of the culture is so in favor of us just surrounding ourselves with people that think just like us, that we actually isolate ourselves to our detriment. This distinction is vitally important as you consider the job of bridge building, reconciliation, and forgiveness. Diversity in the body is beautiful and good. Hostility and division does not reflect the kingdom of God to a watching world. Division and hostility are far from the heart of God. And reconciliation is the heartbeat of the kingdom. Mm. I want you to catch that. Reconciliation is the heartbeat of the kingdom. As we close, there's this, I, any of you play piano in here? Okay, so we got a couple people. A.W. Toyser says, has it ever occurred to you that when 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could ever possibly be. Saying that, and I've seen this at work in the kingdom of God, oh my goodness, it's so powerful, that we're not trying to link to each other, but we try to link to God. And as we link to God, that links us to each other because we begin to hear the, the desire of God, the heart of God, and it begins to move in us, and it moves to a place of forgiveness. I've seen it happen. It was so, I mean, it could be so trivial it was real trivial the other day I was working with my makeup artist. And this is just to give you an example of how trivial it can be, but it's real. And she was doing my makeup, and she pulled out like this big pack of makeup wipes. And at home, I have like a pack of makeup wipes with like three wipes left. And so she was doing it, and as I was looking at her, I was like, she should just give me that pack of wipes. It, it, the thought came through my mind, she should just give me those. She's got a whole pack. But I wasn't obnoxious enough to say anything. <sighs> Do you know after she finished using the wipes, she was like, I'm just going to give you this pack. 
And I said, stop, stop. Are you kidding me? And it was like, I understood. It was like, it went from my heart to the ear of God and from the ear of God to her heart and out of her mouth. I've seen it happen a million times when we're unified in Christ that you don't even have to say anything to that person. But if that person hears from God and you are talking to God, whoo, talk about marriages, talk about relationships, talk about coworkers, talk about a shift in the atmosphere. But Jesus is the key. He is our example. And he's given us the divine blueprints and the plans that we need to follow. We must be willing to get out of our comfort zones and routines and pursuit of this forgiveness and healing that we've talked about so much in this series. And like the father in the story of the prodigal son that I shared with you last week, we run towards reconciliation. We extend a hand in the process, and we celebrate when relationships are restored. <sighs> Healing is at the heart of our Father. And reconciliation is the ministry he's given us. If there's anything inside of you that thinks, oh, I want to be in ministry. I'm ready for my next level of ministry then this is the assignment that you grab a hold to with your whole heart. Not the, the assignment of preaching in the pulpit, being on YouTube, being on television, the assignment of reconciliation. What can you do today to build a bridge? So that's my challenge for this week. As we leave here this morning, as you talk in the car with your spouses, as you eat lunch Ask yourself, what can you do today to close the gap and decrease the chasms around you? It takes intentionality and grit, but it starts one person at a time, and today it can start with us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for being such an awesome God. You are awesome. We love you. We exalt you, we magnify you, we lift you up. We look to you for direction, we look to you for healing, we look to you for the words to say, we look to you for forgiveness, we look to you for everything. Father, we are at a place in our lives right now where we've tried it our own way, we've done it our own way, we know it doesn't work, God. We want to know your ways, we want to know your thoughts, we want to know your plans, we want to move on one accord and in unity with you. So God, begin to speak to us like never before. Begin to download into us an understanding of what you desire to do in our lives and how you want to use us for your glory. Father, even as we leave and go into our workplaces this week, I ask that you would just begin to show us where we can apply the word that we heard this morning. Father, give us a desire to bring forth healing, to bring forth reconciliation, and to build the bridge. We thank you for everything you've imparted to us during this series, and we give you and you alone the praise and the honor and the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.